Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, St. Louis Cardinals fans, and welcome to another Believe in Cardinals podcast. As always, I am your host, Braxton Wheeler. Today's date is February 7th, 2023, and this is episode number three of season number one. You can find this podcast wherever you listen to your favorite shows, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SiriusXM, Amazon Music, Pandora, and many more. If you enjoy this show, please hit the subscribe button so you can be a part of the first Listen Club every time a new show is posted about the birds on the bat. You can also follow me on Twitter at Brax, B-R-A-X-X-X 26, as I post content daily and send me a message whenever you'd like if you want to hear something specific on the show. Thanks, you guys, for tuning in today. I really appreciate it. Um, As always, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button wherever you listen to your favorite show. Give me a follow on Twitter. I'm going to start doing Twitter spaces really soon. I've said that the last couple episodes, but I'm thinking late this week, early next week, I'm going to start doing the Twitter spaces and we're all going to get interactive and we can talk about Cardinals baseball together. So this episode is titled 2023 NL Central Preview. I'm going to run, go over all five teams in the NL Central, St. Louis Cardinals, Milwaukee Brewers, Cincinnati Reds, Chicago Cubs, and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, you know, before I really jump into this episode, I'm really excited. I'm going to, so I already told you guys I was going to spring training at the end of March. I think it was the last two or three games I was going to catch um, right before opening day. I was going to go to the last couple games in March for spring training before, you know, that's really when, you know, the starters are playing a lot, right? They're trying to get, they're trying to get tuned in to the season. They get more ABs, they get more playing time. But I've also decided Yesterday, I was like, you know what? <clears throat> I have some days off for work. I was like, why not? I'm, I'm going to fly down to you know, West Palm Beach. I'm going to go to Jupiter, Florida. I'm going to hit Roger Dean Stadium, right? And I'm going to go watch. I'm actually going to watch spring training opening day. And then I'm going to go see the first three spring training games. So I'm really excited. Um, me and my girlfriend are going to head down there. So I cannot wait for that. Um, so a nice little getaway there. Hit the beach and go see the first three spring training games. So I'm really, really excited for that. So instead of seeing one you know, spring training game. I'm going to go three, see three or four. So I'll try to do some content when I'm down there as well. Okay. So anyway, like I said, this episode is a 2023 National League Central preview. But before we jump into that with some opening thoughts, um, I want people to remember this is something that has not been talked about a lot, a lot so far this offseason. And there is no more de- defensive shift, right? Um, they got rid of it. There is, there is no shift on in baseball anymore. Let me say that again. There is no more defensive shift in baseball. Um, I, I understand that baseball is not a huge ESPN topic or a big you know national media topic, right? But like this has not been talked about a lot. And even on like local journalism, uh, local baseball podcasts, like this has not been talked about a lot. This is a big deal, not having the defensive shift anymore. I, you can call me an old head or whatever you want, but I, I don't like it. Like, I, I think if you're a professional hitter, a major league hitter, if you can't adjust to the, what the defense is showing you, then you probably shouldn't be there. Um, I think this this could have huge advantages for people like Matt Carpenter, right? He's my favorite baseball player of all time, but we know how much he loved to pull the ball. Pull the ball. They literally had the entire infield on the other side, right? Like, 
everyone was playing the shift for him. So with no more defensive shift, like these guys could become really valuable, even the back back in the back end of their career. So don't forget that the defensive shift is gone. So it's going to be something crazy to keep out, keep an eye out on this season. Um, also one more opening thought I have is, uh, we have a new broadcaster for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, Chip Carey, the new TV broadcaster came over from Atlanta. He was born and raised in St. Louis. Um, I, I listen to a lot of Braves games. I've, I've, you know, I've listened to him a lot. I think he's really good. I think he's going to be a really exciting addition for the Cardinals. Now, obviously, the circumstances in which he um, has, you know, got into this position is unfortunate. I think we can all say Danny Mack, and this is a fact, has has actually broadcasted more St. Louis Cardinals games than any other broadcaster. Um, he did a great job at what he did. Uh, it's going to be really weird. I, I don't think it's you know sunk in yet that he's not going to be calling games. Um, I'm really sad about that, but you know uh, I'm really excited for this new addition, and I think he's going to do a great job. So anyway, keep an eye on that. I'm excited for that. He's gonna, he's going to be on the call here, spring training, pretty soon. He actually lives in Florida. So anyway, okay. So let's jump into this National League Central preview. First things first, who is favored? to win the NL Central. And once again, I don't want to sound like a broken record because last episode we went over the, the betting odds that who who is favored to win the NL Central. I'll run through them one more time. This is via FanDuel. Right now they have the over-under win totals at Cardinals 88.5, Brewers 85.5, Reds 65.5, Pirates 67.5, Cubs 6, or excuse me, Cubs 75.5. Uh, the odds to win the NL Central is the Cardinals at the favorites at minus 120. You bet $120 on the Cardinals. That's how you could profit 100. Brewers are plus 160 at second. Cubs are plus 550. And the Reds and Pirates are plus 6,000. So that's how FanDuel shapes out the NL Central. That seems really appropriate to me, right? Um, I could see this division. Before I break down any of these teams, I could see it going exactly like it did last year. The Cardinals finished in first place, seven games above the Milwaukee Brewers with a record of 93 and 69. The Brewers were 86 and 76. The Cubs were 74 and 88. The Reds were 62 and 100. And the Pirates were 62 and 100. I never want to lose 100 games. It's an awful season. Um, but let's start with this uh, preview. First things first, we're going to go in alphabetical order here. I'm so I don't have any bias with it, even though it's a Cardinals podcast. Let's start with the Brewers, okay? And MLB.com, <clears throat> I'm going to read exactly what they wrote. This is how MLB.com perceives how each of these teams are going to be in 2023. So the first thing I want to talk about the Brewers is last year, right, they self-destructed. Um, you know, ever since they lost Josh Hader, they really did self-destruct. Uh, one thing we know for sure about the Milwaukee Brewers is they are always going to max out the potential on that team. They have to go about business a little different than, you know, other teams because they are a small market team. And I think the Brewers do a really, really good job of that. Um, last year with the Josh Hader move, I think they tried to outsmart themselves. That was, you know, even the front office has admitted that wasn't the best move that they made. Um, but is this offense better than everybody thinks? Via MLB.com, the general consensus on the 2022 Brewers is that their pitching was great but they didn't have quite enough offense to make up for some of their late-season bullpen issues, leading to a skid that they couldn't quite escape. But while there's some truth to that, the Brewers' offense was much more productive than you might remember. Essentially, every position in their lineup, other than catcher, was average or above average. Going by OPS, 
with much more production coming from players you wouldn't have expected, such as Rowdy Telez and Lewis Urias. Um, so what were some of their additions this offseason and some guys that they lost? This offseason, they lost Colton Wong on Hunter Renfro, but they got a couple big additions. I'm not going to go over every addition with these teams. I, I would bore you to death. But bringing in Jesse Winker and William Contreras, Still don't know how they ended up getting William Contreras with Sean Murphy going to Atlanta. Um, but this lineup, you know, is a lot thicker to top to bottom than it was last year. So whether you want to uh, look, I've always perceived the Brewers, and this isn't a shot at the Brewers, but it's always felt like they're one bat away. Right? It always feels like they're one bat short of really, you know, getting to that chance to get to a World Series. Um, you know, with with their lineup. I mean, excuse me, with their with their pitching staff, Brandon Woodruff, you know, he's their one. Corbin Burns their two. You can switch those guys around, but that is a dynamic top two. We know those guys are going to pitch well. You, we know those guys are going to be their one-two starters. I think the biggest what-if for this team is Freddie Peralta. If he can have a dynamic season, a really good season, then their rotation is very dangerous, and any of those three guys give you a really good chance to win a game on any, in any night, right? Any given night, it's a good chance to win a series. Um, so let's look at their lineup. <clears throat> this is not in any particular order, but this is what their lineup looks like on opening day. William Contreras catching first base, Rowdy Telez, second base, Bryce Terang, third base, Luis Rios, shortstop, Willie Adamas, left field, Christian Yelich, center field, Garrett Mitchell, right for right field, Tyrone Taylor, DH, Jesse Winker. Um, Christian Yelich It's the last thing I want to hit on with the Brewers. We know what the Brewers are going to be. They're going to be there you know, at the end of the season, they're going to be either trying to win the NL Central, they're going to be fighting for a wild card spot. They're a really good team. Um, you know, what is Christian Yelich going to be? Last year he batted 252. His slash line was 252, 355, and 738. What what version of Christian Yelich are we going to see? Um, if he's going to be that MVP type guy, you know, they're going to be, you know, he's going to, I think the Brewers will go as far as he takes them, right? Just like we saw last year. Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arnato, that's our duo, right? They they literally single-handedly, you know, at one point were carrying the offense, carrying the team with some of the injuries that the Cardinals had. And I think that, you know, look at the postseason last year. You know, those two guys went quiet. And Nolan Arnato said it. He was like, hey, this is the, you know, it was the hardest series that he's ever lost mentally. It was hard for him to get over it. I, that's, they, you know, the Cardinals go as those two guys go. And I think that's the same with Christian Yelich this upcoming season. So that's a look at the Brewers. Let's transition into our St. Louis Cardinals. I'm going to keep this and try to keep this one a little bit shorter, right? Because this is we're going to talk about the Cardinals every podcast. And, um, you know, last year they won the division. I think this is a 90-plus win team. Um, what does MLB.com have to say about our two biggest question marks this season? How does the outfield sort itself out? says, it feels like the Cardinals have had an outfield log jam for half a decade. That's a great way to describe it. Remember, they traded away Randy Rosarina uh, and even Luke Voigt and Tommy Fan to help clear out space for all their outfield depth years ago, and they did so again last year by sending Harrison Bader to the Yankees, yet they still haven't figured out any of these positions for 2023. Um, I'm not going to read this whole thing here, but we got Dylan Carlson, right? Tyler O'Neill, Lars Newtbar, Alec Burleson. Juan Yepes, Brendan Donovan. Now we got Jordan Walker probably going to go play outfield. It is a log jam, okay? It is a log jam for the Cardinals. I expect to see all these guys in the season. Um, I said in one of the previous episodes, I 
I hope I'm thinking, you know, hoping for big things by Tyler O'Neill this upcoming season, but I would not be surprised if some of those names I mentioned, including Tyler O'Neill, are not on this roster at the end of the season. I do not think the opening day St. Louis Cardinals are going to look the same as post-trade deadline St. Louis Cardinals. Um, You know, Moselak was even talking about the payroll and how he said it it didn't shake out exactly how they predicted this offseason, but that's not to say that that money will not be spent somewhere else, you know, during the season or, you know, come, you know, trade deadline. So that's something to keep in mind. We do have a lot of outfielders. I do like how the Cardinals like to keep our prospects intact, but at the same time, we got to use some of these guys as leverage when we're trying to compete for a championship. What's bothered me the most about the Cardinals recently is it also feels like they're not one piece or two pieces away necessarily to win the division, but it feels like they are one big bat or one big arm away from really, really trying to win the World Series. And I think this could be the year if we're in a position at the trade deadline that the Cardinals will utilize and take advantage of some of these big prospects that we have and you know try and get a, a big return to win a championship. Um, also, the pitching. Do we have enough pitching? Uh, for all the superstar position players that we've had the past few years, the tree, true indicator for the Cardinals' success has been simply one. When they have had enough starting pitching, they make the playoffs, and when they don't, they don't. So maybe there should be some alarm bells this year. The Cardinals' rotation is oddly spackled together with Miles Michaelis, the only real constant, and he, like 80% of the current rotation, is a free agent after this year. The Cardinals have a madly inconsistent Jack Flaherty, um, an oft-injured Steven Matz, trade deadline star Jordan Montgomery, and the farewell tour of Adam Wainwright. So, um, that's spot on, man. I think this team has the lineup power to win a championship right now. Yeah, it'd be great if they add another bat. Um, But at the same time, I think that we're going to go as far as our pitching takes us. And, you know, behind those guys, you know, Dakota Hudson, Drew Verhagen, you know, Gordon Graceffo, Matthew Libertor, Jake Woodford, you know, none of these guys don't have anything crazy proven. But, you know, I think that's plenty of innings to cover and win this division. But at the same time, there is question marks. And it feels this season, to sum up the Cardinals in this preview, it feels like it comes down to what moves the Cardinals could make during the season. So, (coughs) excuse me. Sorry, I'm dealing with some allergies. So, uh, anyway, our lineup, Lars Newtbar, Wilson Contreras, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Brendan Donovan, Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, and Nolan Gorman. So, that is the St. Louis Cardinals preview. I predict good things out of them. I could see the Cardinals. I do believe the Cardinals are somewhere between a 90 and a 95 win team if everything goes as planned. Could I see them winning 100? Yes. Could I see them only winning 85? Yes. But I think it's a 90-plus win team. Anyway, I'm going to take a quick little break, and once I get back, we're going to hit on the Chicago Cubs, who I think are the most interesting team in the division. So hang around on the Believe in Cardinals podcast, and we'll be right back.
All right, welcome back to the Believe in Cardinals podcast. As always, I am your host, Braxton Wheeler. And today's date is February 7th, 2023, and we are going over the National League Central preview. We have now hit on the Milwaukee Brewers and the St. Louis Cardinals. Now we make our way to the Chicago Cubs. You know, the Chicago Cubs, very interesting, finished in third place last year. I could see the same outcome coming for this year, but you know what? I was a little, um, I was a little skeptical on the Cubs. You know, in the last episode, I was trying to say that they might be in a slight rebuild, but after I really think about it, and after I studied this team today, I think they got a lot of potential. Um, you know, the Cubs fans have been frustrated by the team's lack of activity the last few years, and it, you know, it's it's willingness willingness, excuse me, to let all those World Series heroes leave town, but they certainly can't say the team sat on its hands this offseason. The opening day lineup will have more new faces than returning ones. Eric Hosmer at first, Cody Bellinger in center, Tucker Barnhart at catcher, Trey Mancini at DH, and most importantly, Dansby Swanson at shortstop, who signed the team's second biggest contract ever. So certainly some new faces in the Chicago Cubs organization. Um. What I have to say about the Cubs is, are we really clear about what the long-term plan is going to be for this team? You know, they are caught somewhere between, and they truly are. I don't want to call it a rebuild, but they're caught somewhere between a team that's going to win 70, 75 games and a team who has aspirations to want to win a division, right? And, um, you know, props to their front office for getting these guys, Dansby Swanson, Tucker Barnhart, Trey Mancini. I think they got a really good lineup. Um, it depends, you know, they got, they got Kyle Hendricks, right? They got Marcus Stroman still on his contract. Um, they are capable of competing for this division after, you know, after you really think about it, their lineup is Matt Mervis, Nico Horner, Patrick Wisdom, Dansby Swanson, Ian Happ, Cody Bellinger, uh, uh, Suzuki, Nick Madriel, and, uh, Christopher Morell. So, you know, there's some noticeable names in there. I think what it boils down to is, what is Cody Bellinger going to be? Is he going to be what we saw in early career Cody Bellinger for the Dodgers? Is he going to be, you know, the disappointment, let's just face it, that was batting in the nine hole. I understand it was a good lineup with the Dodgers, but is he going to be that guy there? So what version of Bellinger are they going to get? I think, you know, Dansby Swanson's a great addition, but um, this feels like a team that could sneak up in this division race. I think they could be there in late August, early September before the Cardinals and Brewers you know, take off and and win this thing, but uh, they're going to be right there, um, competing for a wild card spot, in my opinion. Okay, let's move on to, and we have no choice, but the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Cincinnati Reds. So these two teams last season they lost exactly 100 games. It's no denying from either of these fan bases that it's going to be another long, hard season. And I heard, I heard somebody today say, hey, one of these two teams could sneak up on, on the Cardinals. It's, it's simply not true. These two teams are – and I would say the Reds are in a position where they're just now – I don't want to say – last couple, last two years, let's say, they've been rebuilding. But the Pirates, man, when is the prospects you know start showing up and paying off? From MLB.com. This is the fourth consecutive season that the Pirates have reached the top 10 in MLB Pipeline's farm system, which is good, but it's also it's also its own sort of an indictment. Um, 
indictment, excuse me, even with the talent, they've still finished last in the NL Central every year. Players such as Key Brian Hayes, O'Neill, you know, O'Neill Cruz, Contreras have reached the majors and found success, but nothing resembling superstardom. You know, um, what's the biggest addition that the Pirates had in the offseason? We all know is Andrew McCutcheon. You know, I'm glad to see him back in, the, in, a, in a Pirates uniform. I think that was simply a you know veteran leadership move. You see a lot of teams do this with players towards their back end of their career. They bring in a guy for a veteran veteran leadership. I, you know, somebody who's never played in the MLB, never been in the you know a major league clubhouse. Um, I don't know how big of an impact veteran leadership has on a major league team, such as Adam Wainwright did for the Cardinals or Yadier Molina. But I do know that Andrew McCutcheon will be that veteran leadership. From my own perspective, even though it was a small, lower-level college team, you know, come in as a freshman and you look up to the seniors, that is a real thing. You know, when you're 18, 19 years old and you show up and you see these 21, 22, 23-year-olds in some cases in, in, in the locker room, you do look up to them, okay? So that's what I think Andrew McCutcheon's going to uh, bring bring them. Um you know, last thing to sum up the Pirates, no matter what happens this year, 2023 is going to be a memorable because it was the year McCutcheon uh, was an act in an active Pirates uniform again. It might not lead to a division title, but it's not nothing. It's a great way to sum it up. They're not going to win a division title. They're not going to make the playoffs. They can keep building on their farm system, but at some point, they have to stop driving this franchise into the ground. That's just what it is. And the Cincinnati Reds, let's move on to them. Wow, the Reds, we can say, could have the worst record in baseball this season. It wouldn't surprise me between the Pirates and the Reds that one of these teams might not even hit 60 wins. I would lean towards the Reds. Um, But, you know, do the Cincinnati Reds have anything for Joey Votto? And this is this his fond goodbye? You know, it's it's been 11 years since Joey Votto signed his $251 million 12-year extension, and if the Reds don't pick up his $20 million option for 2024, which I don't expect they will because that's a lot, this could be his final year in a Cincinnati uniform and maybe in a uniform. That's probably the biggest storyline of the Cincinnati Reds this season. Is this Joey Votto's last season? You know, a lot of Cardinals fans probably don't love Joey Votto because in the years, the Cardinals and Reds used to have a lot of you know rivalries, but you got to respect him, right? You you cannot not respect Joey Votto. You can maybe not personally like somebody, but you can respect them. I think that's the way to use an example since I'm a Bengals fan and a lot of the Chiefs listeners that listen to this, I think they can also agree in sports sometimes. If you don't particularly like a team, right, or you don't like a team or you see all the trash talk, it doesn't mean that they don't respect each other. Um, sometimes the biggest trash talkers towards each other, like looking boxing, guys fight and fight and trash talk, trash talk. But what happens when it's over? They respect each other. And I think that's the way the Cardinals fans need to view Joey Votto. Um, some of the additions that the Reds have is our right-handed pitcher, Luke Weaver, first base, Will Myers. That's a good addition. Could be a good addition. Shortstop, Kevin Newman, and outfielder, Chad Pender, who's from Virginia Tech. Um, and some of the subtractions, Mike Miner, Austin Romine, Mike Moustakis, Kyle Farmer, and Aquino. Um, you know, it's it's a shame that the Reds have a one-two punch potentially in Hunter Green and, and Nick Lodolo. And they, 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 they have the foundation of a team that could be good. Um, these guys have ace potential. 
I think the Reds have something with these two guys, but will they spend money? You know, will they try and build this roster? And well, let me say something too. This is really how I want to finish this NL Central uh, preview. Sometimes teams are in a rebuild. The fans aren't patient, and rightfully so. We've been Cardinals fans. The reason I back Mo so much, and this will come back to the original point, the reason I back Mo more than most people is because the Cardinals have had like one losing season. This is it's right around this range since like 1999. It's nuts. The Cardinals every year know that you're going to at least compete for a playoff spot. And yeah, we can say what we want. We haven't been to the point where we've been back to worlds. We haven't won a World Series since 2011, and I do think that's a problem. And rightfully has criticism. But as Cardinals fans, we really don't know what it's like to be at the depths, you know, of, of a rebuild. That doesn't that's not what the Cardinals do. But in the Reds case here, yes, I understand in the real rebuild, but if you don't have enough guys right now to really compete for a championship, then it's it's okay not to necessarily spend right now. And you just you don't want to go half in and half out, half in and half out. I think that causes uh Cap issues, it it it, you know, payroll goes up, and you're not really trying to win. You know, it is one or the other, and baseball sucks on that front because baseball is set up for bad teams to stay bad. And what do I mean by that, right? So in baseball, there is no, you know, it's it's luxury tax. That's what it is. And in, in, in football, there it's you have you have a cap, right? In baseball, you don't necessarily. So bad teams stay bad simply because even in the draft, it takes players that are drafted a long time to develop. In the NFL, a guy can can literally be drafted the next year, change the franchise. Look at Joe Burrow. He did it. And you can look at all around. Even Sauce Gardner for the Jets. Um, he made that defense amazing. Um, Jamar Chase, all these guys, right? You can be drafted in the NFL and immediately make a team good. But in baseball, the impact of a guy that gets drafted, it takes some time. So anyway, to tie that back up with NL Central Preview, what are my expectations for this division this season? Um, I think the Cardinals win the division. I think the Brewers finish second. I think the Cubs finish third, but probably one or two games behind the Brewers. And then I think it shakes out as the Pirates. And then I think it's going to be the Reds. Um, I'm going to close the podcast on this. What would be considered a good season for the Cardinals this season? I would say a good season is to make the playoffs. Yes, preferably win the division. But if you get into the playoffs and you win win a divisional series or win a wild card series, I think that seems like a good season. What would you? What would I say is a great season? Make it to the NL Championship Series, and then anything past that, I think, would be a success. So if you're in the NLCS, even if you lose it, I think that's a good season considering where our roster is at right now. Um, I do think there's better teams in the NL than the Cardinals as it sits right now. But this is a team that could make it to the NLCS. Um, what would be a bad season? The Cardinals are fighting, and I mean clawing for a wild card spot, and then they get eliminated like they did, you know, last year, but this time on the road. That would be a bad season because, you know, Paul Goldschmidt's 35 years old. Um, Nolan Arnado is like 30, 31 years old. These guys are in their prime, and, you know, Goldschmidt's really ending his prime. How long is it? We're not – we're going to have good seasons from Goldie and Arenado. I'm I'm very sure of that. They're great players. They're going to bring production to the team. But I think their combined war last season was like 16. That's that's nuts. Like to have a wins above replacement like that is absolutely nuts. And I'm not saying that they're 
they're not going to be good. But I do not believe that these two guys are just going to be, you know, first and third in MVP race this upcoming season. And that's not that's not a shot on the guys. I just think that what they did last year is insane, and um, that's tough to that's tough to maintain for for two guys like that. So I think they're gonna have good seasons, but it's gonna be up to these other guys: Tyler O'Neill, um, Tommy Edmond. Dylan Carlson to form into the guy that we need to, even if Jordan Walker comes up. Nolan Gorman, does he, you know, does he take another step forward? So we got the guys, and that's why I think the Cardinals win the division, and that's all I have. That is the National League Central 2023 preview. The next episode will be later this week sometime or next week, and um, that's all I have. Once again, this is the Believe in Cardinals podcast. I am your host, Braxton Wheeler. And thanks for tuning in. Please subscribe. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.